All right. Um, so we've turned what was good, we've turned it into something bad, and mankind has suffered for that ever since. Um, with us having a, a sinful nature that can only be only be overcome by the Spirit of God living in our hearts and and uh, and by our obedience to God, to God's word. Well, um, so now this rings a bell with you, right? Except for those of you who were here before. But anyway, so let's jump back now into our study uh, of what we call what is temptation really? All right, and that's what it's about. So look at look on page eight, or it's on my pages eight. I don't know what the page is for you. Okay, so number nine, fellowship, Genesis three, eight through ten. Who will read that for us? Somebody read it. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves. From the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. All right, thank you. All right. So, now, although there is no record of it prior to man's fall into sin in the Garden of Eden, I would say that it's a safe assumption. Uh, that these verses describe the fellowship that God had with the first couple, Adam and Eve, uh, and um, and being revealed, uh, being revealed, being in a in a being in a unique situation. Uh, these these people, the humans, were the only facet of creation that could worship the creator. God revealed himself only to Adam and Eve, and they responded to him by seeking to find the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, as, as Sandy read, and as they often did. However, we read on that the man and the woman were ashamed of their sin and they hid themselves from God. And you know, people have been hiding themselves from God ever since they were banished from the Garden of Eden. The human, humankind banished from the Garden of Eden. And it's only when God calls out to someone and asks, where are you? that our fellowship with God uh, can be restored when we respond positively to his call uh, and, uh, and, and, and his pursuing of us with cords of love. And that's how I like to look at how God pursues ma uh, mankind, pursues people. Uh, he, he was, he, reaches out to them, calls out to them in one way or another, by one means or, or another, but he does it out of love and he, he showers, in my mind, he showers us, those people, 
in his love. Now, 1 John 1, 6 and 7 says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness. Now, Pastor Peter was kind of talking about that this morning. People who, you can, you can know that they are genuinely saved by the walk, by their walk, by the way they live, the, the fruit uh, of their salvation. You can see that. But if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But, John goes on to say, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with one another. Our salvation experience is genuine. It has been said, uh, prayer keeps us from sin and sin keeps us from prayer. And that is so true. Uh, the benefit of fellowship, fellowshipping with the Lord in prayer is that we will not, now get this, is that when we're fellowshipping with the Lord in prayer, we are not likely to sin during such times. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's possible, but I would say very likely you're, we're not going to sin when we're in fellowship and communion with the Lord in prayer and reading his word. Um, but on the other hand, to, neg to neglect that sweet fellowship, that, and I call it a sweet fellowship, that's what it is. That time of communion, of, of uh, being with the Lord in our hearts and in our minds and with the word. But to neglect that, to neglect that, often easily leads to sin in our lives. I don't know about you, but that's my experience. When I have neglected those times, those quiet times you might call them, those times with the Lord, that's when I'm prone to wander, as, as the hymn goes. All right, so let's go on with this. First, the first question is, what observation can I add to this discussion? One of the things that came to my mind uh, is when we were talking about that the Lord reaching out to Adam that he loved him and stuff, is uh, the scripture that tells us that there is rejoice in heaven over one sinner that repents. Yeah. It's uh, those people, right? And uh, that he is those that he's chosen, he's reached out to. Yeah. And the ones that respond are the, the, the angels. Yeah. Rejoice yeah. In yeah. That's a big deal. And we we won't hear that, but it's good. It's nice to know. That that's how much God cherishes us, and even the angels, they are so happy for us. Is it possible for angels to be happy for us? <laughs> I think so. I think so. And though we can't see them, there are times when God allows us to see angels. But 
but to just know that they are rejoicing every time someone comes to know the Lord. It, it's just, it, it's wonderful. Anybody else have a, a, a comment or observation they'd like to make about this? I think it's good, and I know I'm hogging the conversation, but I think it's good that we have the biblical account of the first of the fall and that it explains why though we are creatures of God that we are spiritually dead. Yeah. Because of the fall. Because of the fall, because of our parents, our first parents sin, rebellion against God. Yeah. I, I think I'm of the persuasion that we would have all done the same thing. Oh yeah. If it had been Sandy and me <laughs> In the garden instead of Adam. Well, we heard Debbie this morning. Of course, she's, she's fallen and stuff. But I mean, we all we, we have that sin nature. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're all guilty because of because of that very reason. If any one of us had been there, other than Adam and Eve, we would have done the very same thing. Even though we didn't have the sin nation nature, they didn't have the sin nature when they disobeyed God. They were innocent. They were pure. But they had a choice to make. Made the wrong choice. And we would have done the same. One other thing that comes to mind is the uh, size of that deed where you have God who is God. Nothing is too big for him and nothing resists him. He is absolutely perfect and holy and sovereign. And yet here is a creature that disobeyed. That is quantum. Unbelievable to think. That's why I think John in Revelation wept so uh, profusely when he he saw that no one was qualified to take the scroll and break yeah, the seal. Yeah. Some say it was because of his sin. Well, I think it was a lot more than just his sin. I think he saw this is a very serious breach and embarrassment to the God of the universe who is absolutely perfect. And now something that he's created is Yeah. How it is uh immensely concerned with this area of fellowship. Mm -hmm. um, first us with him, as you're saying, but also with each other. Yeah. Uh, this has been heavy on my thinking as I'm preparing for us as we dive into chapters 13 through 17. Mm -hmm. Love is all over that. Mm -hmm. All over that. Jesus hammers that point home to them again mm -hmm. and again both by his example and by his words, right. that I'm about to leave, and you need <coughs> to love each other in the same way in my place, yeah. as if I were here. Right. And since there's a real sense in which we are, all of us, Jesus to one another. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're supposed exactly. to be right. Jesus to one another. To one another. And again, uh, this is reinforced by what, First John 1, 6, and 7, if we claim to have fellowship with God, but yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That, that fellowship. And you know, um, I know this is a hard thing to Except, but I'm going to say it, God 
in his word, wants us to confess to one another. To confess our sins to one another. And uh, Debbie this morning in her testimony, she shared with us some of the things that she went through. You have shared, including this morning, things that you've gone through. That needs to be, it's not easy, uh, and we have to trust one another. And we do that. That it's, they're, you're, that they're not going to turn on you when you, the rest of us will not turn on you when you do that. But that is what the body of Christ should be doing. And it's hard. It's one of the hardest things, I think, for us to do. I, I think uh, there's a distinction might be made between being transparent. Right. And uh, if you have sinned against somebody, to right. go to them and confess. And I think both are important. But I agree with you. I think the last one is if you've sinned against somebody you, and you want to get that right with the Lord, which you should, it would yeah. be a good idea to confess it. But we don't need to air our dirty laundry, no, as I say. Yeah. Right. I think there's a, there's a potential danger, too, which, which is being honest, uh, that we in this church have, have fallen into at times, and that is to turn somebody's vulnerability into a point of, of joking. Mm -hmm. So, for example, somebody says, you know, I really struggle with pride. Yeah. And, and you and you come up slap them on the back. Yeah, I'm praying for humility. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, there's there's a there's a sense in which you know it, it can be good natured. Yeah. But you you don't want to cross the line into well, that's the last time I'm vulnerable. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything again because I'm not ripped or crazy for it. But so that really says a lot about us. Mm -hmm. Are we the kind who would do that? Or are we the kind who would say, there but the grace of God go I, you know? Because we're all capable of every sin that mankind can, can commit. We're all capable of it. And we have all <laughs> sinned in ways that, um, you know, we really, uh, we really have no reason to criticize or or even joke about I think that's what someone else was working on them in the upper room about was when you first announced some one of you is going to betray me mm -hmm. and they first were pointing fingers around the room at each other and then you see the change in attitude what is it I yeah yeah you know the awareness that all of them could be that person Right. Like you said. Right. Rather They're than, all oh, well, capable of it. I would never do that. Just begin. Yeah. 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 Every one of them. I don't know that necessarily they all could have been a Judas Iscariot. They certainly all could have been Simon Peter. All right. Um, I wrote down it as an answer. Uh, when we're saved, it is a once. It is once and for all because. Our past sins have been washed by Christ's blood, but it's still easy to fall out of fellowship with God and with each other when we do things that are sinful, hurtful, or disappointing. I really believe that to be true. 
All right, next question is, have I broken fellowship with God, yielding to temptation? And if so, how? Does anybody want to share that after what we did? just said? Temptation needs to be a better thing. Yeah, yeah, right. We all see it. We yeah. see it every day. Yeah, right, so, exactly. And so, um, I agree with Pastor Peter. I think if you've grown the brother and sister, Sorry, what you want to say now? Sorry. Yeah. You can be first and foremost, ask for God to change us. Yeah. Then go to the one that you're with. Uh, sometimes we yeah. do it without even knowing. So it's it's our job if, if, if I wronged you and didn't realize it. And you come to me and say, you know, yeah. I didn't. Then that's when I need to repent. First yeah. I look at it. Then that's when I need to repent. First and foremost, I'm going to leave. Right. And then come to you and say, Well, you point me out on this, you call me on the carpet. That's <clears> that. That's hard to do because then you were you feel like you had not only let yourself down, you let you know, did something you felt that put the Lord down. Yeah. And it's hard to admit that you're wrong. Yeah. It's hard to admit to it. And that's pride. Yeah. There's another side. Yeah. When I was in seminary in Canada. Uh, I was associate pastor of a church, uh, Mount View Christian Fellowship, and uh, one of the church members, a lady, uh, came up to me privately and said that that I had done something that uh, offended her or or whatever. And honestly, I don't remember what it was, but I remember the way I felt. I was devastated by that. And I'm glad she pointed yeah. it out to me. Because I, I immediately, I said, oh my goodness, I am so sorry that I did that. And, and please forgive me. And I, I will, oh, from now on, I will be very careful not to do that again. And uh, our fellowship after that was good. It, Actually, it took her a few weeks to approach me. But after that, and she, because she was a little bit aloof during those few weeks, but after that, after she confronted me and I confessed, uh, our fellowship was back to the way it, it should have been. Um, Eric, you know that saying, I'm only human? Yes. I don't make sense anymore. I knew that I was a sinner saved by grace. Mm. It's, you can't use that excuse. I'm only mm -hmm. You can put, I am sinner. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm only human, you know? Yeah, right. No, that, that is a, that's a cop-out in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Vicki, what were you going to say? I was just going to ask, are you referring to, you should confess to someone when you offend them? Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying you're supposed to randomly confess your sins to other people? Well, I, I think it all depends. I think if there is a, a public sin that you've committed, I think you need to go to the public and confess that sin. Well, if I commit a sin that everybody knows about, uh, whatever that might be, um, then I need to go to those people who know about it, especially at a church center, but not necessarily just that. But if it's a private 
if I'm privately offending you, Vicki, then uh, then you should come to me and, and say something. Right. Yep. Okay. Example of public sin is where, where Paul confronted Peter, and he writes about that in Galatians. And where Peter yeah, yeah. was was. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he was eating with the Gentiles, mm -hmm. but then when certain Jews came from mm -hmm. James, mm -hmm. he began to withdraw from them. And Paul caught that in front of them all, the right? For it because yeah. of the sin, the sin in front of everybody. And that took place in the church in Antioch. Was Antioch? Yeah. That isn't a confession, though. That's a confrontation. Yeah. But it is. I, I will say that I have had to confess many times, mostly because of my mouth. Because I've, I can, I've, used to, I've teased Warner several times, and then I've had him felt bad about it. I've gone back and said, Warner, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Please forgive me for that. No, no, no. I said, no, it was not good taste. Stuff like that. My, my mouth does get me in trouble. Yeah. And if, if you do it publicly, I think it's a good idea to confess. Yeah. Yes. I have a question. Adam and Eve ever repented of their sin? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, look what look what God did for them. Uh, the animal sacrifice, the the blood sacrifice that God uh, made for them, the animal skins, the blood sacrifice, and they were their sin was covered by the blood. They didn't understand necessarily fully because of progressive revelation. They don't know. They didn't know anywhere near as much as we do. But God forgave them with that, with the blood sacrifice. So I would say absolutely we will see them in heaven. Anybody disagree? No? Okay. Or does. Or does. Um, one, one thing, whatever we want to say about the mysteries of who will be there and who won't, looking at broken hearts earlier on, there's no injustice in hell. Period. Right. Right. Nobody will be where they are. Yeah. Where yeah. He has decided by his grace. Right. Yeah. Very true. Jared, yes, I from that verse, and it says, of course, first John 1, 6 and 7, and it says that if we walk in the light, mm -hmm. um, and that I believe that it is then, um, it doesn't mean that we are perfect because we cannot be perfect. Right. Okay. Um, so I think that when we share things, whether um, they are like Pastor had talked this morning about certain things that he might struggle with, definitely we need to know. We need to know. That's part of fellowship is uh -huh. to know what other people are struggling with because you are struggling with the same thing. Right. I think when we get to a point where just because, you know, <clears throat> devotions in the morning and I pray in the morning, you know, and then I do the best that I can throughout the day and, and you know, and you're, you're, you're trying to maintain fellowship throughout the day. We have to be careful that pride doesn't step in and yeah. we start feeling like that, you know, um, that I'm walking in the world, yeah, you right. know, um, because that's <clears throat> easy to do and then it is then that we might be walking in the light, but all of a sudden we're gonna be thrown to the wonder because mm -hmm. all of a sudden pride got in there, you know, 
while we were doing that. So I have to remind myself that if I'm walking in the light, doing what I believe is the right thing, beware. Because yeah. it is then that the Satan's not working on folks right. that are not trying, right? Yeah. I mean, he's right. working on exactly. folks who are, who are trying. Are trying. Yeah. I mean, if, if you if you have made the commitment to the Lord that you want to be faithful, then you are oppressed. Yeah, right. You are oppressed. So I was just saying that part of walking in the light and fellowship is sharing your personal experiences yeah. with Him. And, str and struggles and very yeah. important. And <clears throat> we hadn't done that for a long time. And then here at church, there was struggles. You know, it seemed like for a long time. I don't know, maybe we're just too doggone busy to realize that people in our fellowship were having struggles. Right. And like nobody wanted to, it's like, we're only, again, yeah. we don't have time to share your struggles. Again, yeah. we're trying to, you know, we're trying to teach these kids or something like that, you know? And it can, it can very easily get that way. Yeah. Where we are very busy and, and then we don't allow each other to share because it's an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. It's an inconvenience. Yeah. I mean, I find myself doing that even like I want to walk in the light. But it's like I can feel the Holy Spirit saying, "You need to stop and talk to this person." And I'm like, mm -hmm. "I want to go make cookies." <laughs> you know, as crazy as it sounds, I want to go make cookies so I can hand that to my neighbor. You know, that's mm -hmm. what I really had on my agenda to do today. Yeah. But that's not what He wants to do. So that's not what I'm doing. That's, right. that's, that's not right. being sensitive yeah. exactly. and being intentional. Yeah. You know, just you try to work through me, but I'm confused. So, yeah. You know, well, I'm just around and around, and around but. Yeah, I'll, I'll add to, and I appreciate what you said, because Pastor Peter's message, in his message, he talked about some of the struggles that he has, and, and I, after the service was over, we went back into the office to talk about something, but the first thing I said to him was, I appreciate what you said about the struggles, I said, because I have those same struggles too. So I think it's I think that's very helpful. It's helpful to me to know that he's struggling the same way and, and maybe someone else is struggling the same thing like I said. So that's good. Very good. Anybody else? Alright, let's go on to the last one then. Number 10, justice. Um Genesis 3, 11, and down to 19 through 21. Someone read that portion for us. You down the book? Yes. Yes. Easy. Okay. And he says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten the tree which I commanded you not to eat? By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread until you return to the ground, because from it you were taken you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. Mm -hmm. There we go. That's the garments of skin that both sacrifice. Yeah, justice. Uh, one, one might ask, is justice a good thing? And of course the answer is yes, it is. Justice 
is absolutely essential for a world filled with sin, and definitely our world is filled with sin. Without justice, there would be anarchy. That's your word there. Did I give you the other words, the last one? Fellowship, ashamed, and sin. Anyway, without justice, there would be anarchy. Crimes going unpunished would be the bane of our existence. The tragic norm in today's society. We see that today, don't we? A lot of sin, a lot of crimes going unpunished or lightly punished, like the judge. Where, where's that uh, DA from? I forgot. Oh, the one. The one that's trying to uh, untie Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, Bragg, I think is his name. But he's one who has a track record of, of not, uh, not punishing or at least giving very light sentences to uh, bad, severe uh, crimes. Anyway, but uh, for crimes to go unpunished, just, it's the bane of our existence, and it's common today. Justice is essential where the guilt of sin exists. Now, from where does did justice originate? Well, from God, of course. After Adam and Eve sinned in defiance to God, because of his holy nature, he had, God had no choice but to punish them. God originally made man from the dust of the ground. It was never his intention that Adam ever returned to the ground. I mean, God knew in advance that Adam would sin, but that wasn't the ideal. It was never his intention that Adam uh, ever returned to the ground. However, after the fall, physical death was inevitable, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And Romans 5.12 explains it this way. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all have sinned. Death came to all of us. Because we have all sinned, just as Adam and Eve sinned. So the um, the punishment for sin is death, um, and the punishment for capital crimes is death. Despite the current view of 23 state governments in America, the death penalty has been abolished, even though the Bible says in Genesis 9:6, "Whoever sheds the the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. For the image of God uh, has God made man. This is justice. Genesis 9-6 is the epitome of God's justice. Uh, and if we believe that God knows what he's doing, does anybody have a doubt about that? If we believe that God knows what he's doing, then we need to uphold justice as God established it from the very, very beginning. And this is particularly true after he exercised it following the flood, causing the death of all mankind 
except, obviously, known as family. God's methods of justice are perfect and good. And listen, they benefit. The word is benefit. They benefit humanity. Absolutely benefit humanity. What observations can I add to the discussion? Does anyone want to say, oh, I'm against capital punishment? Well, I have a question. Yes. If God is for capital punishment, why did the king spare? He killed his brother. Why wasn't there justice for Abel? Well, there was not a human government at that time. You mean, why was... Abel, why was Cain not killed instantly? Yeah, why didn't That's a good Jesus question. Say, it's also, you killed your brother, therefore I'm going to, you're going to die and strike him with some disease. And well, he did die, though. Not well, long after, right? It's also before that law was given. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Your husband had made a good point. Well, he's also hooked <laughs> because of technicality, though. Uh, what? Because of technicality. I mean, well, the law didn't come until after God had done the crime. Yeah. God put a curse on on Cain. Yeah. And and all the generations following, did he not? Yes. I'm trying to remember how. Yeah. It was. yeah. Well, that Genesis nine comes from comes from the Noahic covenant, so it's it's not until after the flood. God is reestablishing, I guess, his relationship with mm -hmm. Noah and his descendants. Yeah. Uh, we also get uh, eating animals uh, from that as well. Mm -hmm. For the first time. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> I mean, it's not to say that, that it, this is a complicated issue. Yeah, it is. Because it, Paul talks about in Romans that you know, before the law, sin was there, but when the law comes, sin springs to life. And right. But there, there is a sense in which people are not held guilty, even though it is a wrong action, mm -hmm. maybe, if they do it uh, from a place of ignorance. There is a, there is a different standard there. What is that, what is that uh, verse? I'm trying to think of how it goes, but in times past, God winked at. Yeah, what is, how does that go? That's uh, Acts 17. Yeah, so he waited patiently. He, God did and wait patiently. You've asked, you've asked a very good question, but a complicated one. <laughs> it just seems like it's not fair. Cain kills his brother. I mean, that's a horrible thing to do. Yeah. He can go on and get married and have kids and live his life while his brother, you know, yeah. never had that opportunity. Yeah. But he was struck down by his but death, brother. But death is not the worst thing that no, it's not the outside of the death of your sins. Yeah. yeah. And I think in Abel, it's very clear in, in Hebrews that Abel <coughs> was a believer. He was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. For him. Yeah. Cain's in hell. Well, I would say, wouldn't you? I don't know. By the grace of God. I don't know. If yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, the Bible really doesn't say. So, live to the what grace. do we know? We know like the judge of all the earth is right. Yes, absolutely. It's no. not us to speculate or give an opinion of what God should do, but God will always do the I right thing. There are times when, he, when uh, his mercy with people 
overlooks things they did wrong, like some of the kings had multiple wives and things like yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's wrong, and yet God has blessed them and yeah. used them. Yeah. But then there's another tricky one. It is. It's hard to put him in our... Yeah, we can't pigeonhole God. But he does right. He is absolutely always. always. And always. I, think I think it's important also to, to say that uh, the King James translation of the two times that we're given the Ten Commandments. Um, is it the Seventh Commandment? The shall not kill, kill. right? It's the way it says in King James, King James but is a not, mistranslation. There are right. two Hebrew words. Right. One would be translated murder, murder. and the other kill. Right. And it is murder. It's very right. clear in the Hebrew that that is murder. Yeah. Do not murder, which draws a distinction between killing and murder. Right. Well, and the reason why it's not okay, but more. Right. Because well, you've seen those you've seen those bumper stickers that say, "Why do we kill people to show that killing people is wrong?" Yeah. But it's a play on words that misunderstands yeah. the point. We kill people who murder mm -hmm. to show that murder is wrong. Is wrong. That, that's, right. that's the difference. We're not murdering the murderer, but we are killing the murderer because God said, yeah. Genesis 9, 6. And it's in, it's in an official capacity. So the role, yeah, the government. role of the judge, the role of the executioner, yeah. in official capacity, not to just be taken out personally and say, well, I'm going to go you know, execute judge yeah. here because... Or lynch mob or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, good good question. Anybody else have a, have a question about this? Uh, we know in our society, too, that if an animal kills somebody, a dog or a bear or something like that, they are most of the time euthanized. Yeah. They'll be tracked down or, you know, most of the time you don't hear a big outcry. <coughs> yeah. So that, so that principle goes goes there. Yeah. Yeah. I think people understand the principle, they just don't like it. Yeah. But yeah. But you'll find some, thing. you know, some people who would say it's wrong to kill a bear that killed a man, you yeah. know. That's not right. The bear was your first. Yeah, the bear was <laughs> But you know, the, the, the other thing here it talks about is we think of it as too, being too harsh. Yeah. And there are times when God does things that seem to be harsh, but there is a lesson in that. For example, mm -hmm. when uh, the Lord struck uh, the guy that, that laid his hand on the ark, I can't mm -hmm. remember the name when he struck he was showing them that he takes his yeah. holiness seriously. Yeah. Right. Uh, the same with, with the strange fire. Yeah. Yeah. And AI, yeah. Uh, you know, right after Jericho and Ananias and right. Sapphira. Right. You know, there are a lot of times uh, when God, but like you said, God always does the right thing. Yeah, yeah, always absolutely. does. Um, and that's a comfort to us. I was talking this morning about, it seems like many times that we pray, and I've prayed that. Many times, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, it honestly seems like you really hear what I'm saying. Because I've prayed about things and nothing has happened. Well, it does happen. It just takes time. But he's, we, I know when I say that, that he does hear my prayer. And I know he's going to answer it according to what's best. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want. I wouldn't change that if I could do it. 
Yeah, but at the same time, and it's good to know that student knows that he does look alike. Yeah, yeah. Those questions about Adam and Eve and Cain, massively good questions. Because reading through the Bible, I've questioned some, you know, so like, well, there's no way you made it. And all that just, you know, kicked you out. And, and then it's like, well, who am I yeah. to make that decision? You yeah, know? right. In Romans 4, 3, what? The scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Not because of his works. Right. Because of his faith. Yeah. I don't know the heart. Yeah, right. And I don't know at what moment that happened. Because I'm stuck in time. Yeah, right. We, yeah, God knows. God but, uh, knows. nowhere, nowhere does it yeah. say Adam and Eve was saved. Yeah, didn't say they weren't say saved. That, but yeah, and Cain either doesn't yeah. say. So we just have to let that be I, God's great question. Who you yeah. question? Yeah. Another question that often comes up. I just thought of this: is when God told the children of Israel to take. The land of Canaan, and to literally slaughter all the people. Of course, they didn't do it; they were disobedient to God. But non-Christians throw that up at us a lot and say, "Your God, you know, condones mass murder, genocide, genocide." Yeah, and that's a tough one. I mean, that's a hard one to explain to the unsaved mind. It's like a war. They're the same thing. Yeah. Same people have been killed. Yeah, both sides, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, thing is, is, is when, when these young kids were like born in Vietnam, they were, they were in their mind, defend your country, defend your country, defend your country. And there was, there was a lot of kids that wanted, didn't want to fight. Right. But saying they had to. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So they had no choice. That's something that they had to confront the Lord with. Mm -hmm. I did this. I don't think that that would be murder. I think it's for oh, no. defending your country. That's my personal right. opinion. Right. But see, then there's a lot of people that are that, that say, "Well, that's wrong too." You know, killing wrong, killing. Yeah. Oh, see, there again, we just draw a distinction. That's why it's important to draw a distinction between murder and killing. Yeah, so yeah. Not you're same. not going after just killing people for right. killing. Right. Not the same. You're actually doing it for this. Right. It's not the same thing. Right. Now, if you're if you're a soldier, uh, it, it gets into these are centuries old debates about holy war and this mm -hmm. and that. Yeah. But um, if you're if you're in, going back to the genocide issue. If you're a soldier in the Israeli army at that time, and you're commanded to do this, right? That makes it right. Yep. Yeah. Because God is the standard, and that's right. that's the response about our girls. You know, and, and I challenge them with, okay, well, who are you to say otherwise? You know, what what standard? You, okay, so you don't like the Bible. What standard outside of your opinion and your feelings right. do you go to? To, to say that, that what I believe as, as morality in this issue is universally binding on the all consciences of all people so that I can sit in judgment on all nations like Israel or others who have or have not followed the standard, I believe is right. Yeah, yeah. Who are you right. to say that? Yeah, and, Where and there, that? there is no authority that they can turn to 
to answer or to uh, um, condemn the Bible's teachings on principles on this. Yeah. Romans 13, 4 talks about the government's right to inflict punishment. Exactly. Particularly where it refers to capital punishment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, let's look at the story about the gas there. So God established yeah. governmental authorities yes. for our good, and we should express appreciation for our men and women in service, especially those who laid their lives on the line. Um, police officers. Police officers, absolutely. Okay, so um, we're about out of time. Um, the conclusion, it doesn't matter how we're, we are tempted. Satan is attacking us from all directions like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. God knows this about temptation, and we would be wise to see temptation for what it really is. And that's the title of this study. What is temptation really? something the devil uses against us but for which god always has an alternative and that alternative is to obey him and him only we always have an alternative uh satan knows about the sin that so easily entangles us from hebrews 12 1. he usually goes after us Satan usually goes after us where we are the weakest, like a wolf looking over a flock of sheep. He goes after the weakest, uh, the weakest ones out there in the pasture. Question, do you know where you are weakest? I do. I do. Do you? Anybody want to elaborate? <laughs> On you? Sure. No. <laughs> All right. Let's go with the sin of dust. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. Can't wait for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know which Bible verses you should quote regarding that particular yeah, that's weakness of your point? Yeah. Very good point. I mean, well, that's what Jesus did. Yeah, that's exactly you know? right. Uh, so. You need to know. Yeah. You need to know what Bible verses will counteract that weakness when you are tempted. What what Bible verse can I uh, can I recite, especially especially if I've memorized it or at least go to in the Bible, recite it and 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 say to Satan, this right here. This is what the Bible says, and Satan, depart from me, you know, and, and that's very, very important. Um, again, I say that we can start by taking the advice of King David uh, in Psalm 37, 4, where he said, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And when you and I delight ourselves in the Lord, when we spend time in communion, in devotion with the Lord. Spend time, often, every day, all day long, 
that he will give us the desires of our heart. When we enjoy that time, his desire, God's desire will become our desire. So that what he wants us to do will be the very thing we want to do. All right, let's pray. And you see the prayer. Um, uh, let this prayer be your prayer as well as I read it. Father God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us how to resist temptation by quoting scripture, knowing that all temptations are common to man, and that God will always provide a way of escape, a good alternative to sin. And now, God, we, we want to pray specifically for ourselves, for each of us individually, we know our, what our weaknesses are, those sins that so easily entangle us. And Satan knows what they are too. And certainly you know what they are. Lord Jesus, help us to keep our focus on you. Amen. To not be distracted by the things that tantalize us or things that draw us away from our pure devotion and fellowship with you. That which is most important in our lives work in our hearts we pray that we may always be soft and tender toward you that we may always delight in you and we ask and plead this with you for this in your holy and precious name lord jesus amen amen, amen. amen.